Yes. Let's go. Good morning, Life Point. How you guys doing? Well, yeah. Listen, Pastor Rich didn't tell me all the worshipers come to the 1030 service. Okay, I didn't realize that. I wasn't quite ready for it, but it felt good. You guys sounded good. You looked good. Now, we're really excited to be here. My wife and I, we cherish any opportunity we get to be in front of a group of people and just tell them the things we see God doing all around the world. Incredible, incredible things. And I'm going to share some of those things with you today. Uh, I think we have the best job in the world, honestly. We get to travel all over the world. And we sit down with pastors and missionaries and community leaders and school directors and, and all sorts of godly people around the world. And we ask them, what is your God-given vision for your community? What has God called you to do in the place that he has planted you? And they tell us their vision and they tell us their mission. And, and they tell us about all the need, but they have none of the resource for it. And then we say, well, that's our job. That's our part. Our job is to figure out a way to bring the resource to your vision. And that's what we get to do. And then other times, we get to go to places like Homestead, Florida, right? We get to drive south, and then more south, and then a little further south. And eventually, we get to Homestead, right? And we get to stand up in front of a group of people, and we get to share our heart. And I get to talk about the one thing I love to talk about the most in life, okay? And it goes far beyond Hope Project. Uh, it goes beyond missions, global missions. What I like to talk about, the best way I can describe it is this. Let's just say everyone in this room right now, we all got here today for the first time ever. And we sat here as a group, never been here before. And we all decided in this space right now that we're going to live for Jesus. We're going to figure it out, and we're going to live for Jesus right here in this space. And then the next thing we did is we went outside and we all got baptized, all right? 300 spontaneous baptisms right out front. My question would then be, okay, now what? Now what? We decided to live for Jesus. We said we're going to do it together. We've been baptized. Now what? Because the truth of the matter is, looking around the room, we've got a good 20, 30, 40, some of us 50 years left on this earth here if Jesus doesn't come back. We're going to be here doing something. What are we going to be doing? And at the same time, there's a tension because some of us are not promised to make it home today after church. You may have left your house for the last time this morning. You've got 50 minutes to 50 years on this earth. What are you going to do with it? And my answer to that is always the same. Let's build God's kingdom. If we've got time here on earth, let's build God's kingdom. If we've got a place to be together, let's build God's kingdom there. If we're going to be around for a little longer, let's build God's kingdom together a little longer. That's all I want to do. And today I want to talk to you guys about God's kingdom. And I'm going to give you just one thing to do. That if you do this one thing, I promise you, you will look around and be like, whoa, it's happening. We're building God's kingdom. We're doing it. We just did this one thing, and now look what God is doing, okay? And this is it. Step one, and it may be all you really need if you rely on God. This is it. If you want to build God's kingdom, just show up. Just show up. Show up at this place when the doors are open. Show up when there's a chance to give or serve or love or go. Show up and be a part. Show up not just here in this space, but show up in people's living rooms and in, at people's dining room tables. Show up at the coffee shop. Show up at the gym. Show up wherever people are gathering. Be there and be in the moment and say, God, use me to build your kingdom in this place. I can guarantee you if you just keep showing up, God will use you to build his kingdom. And I can guarantee it because this month right here, May 2023, my wife and I had the most just showing up experience we've ever had in our lives. We've been doing this for a long time. 20 years we've been serving God together with our whole lives. It hasn't just been part of what we do. It's been who we are for 20 years. And in 20 years, we just had the most just show up moment ever right here 
this month and it started because, yeah, let's go. It started because we help kids all over the world, and there's a specific group of kids that we help in Southeast Asia. We are fully financially responsible for a children's home in Southeast Asia. And there's about 40 kids there that every need they have every month is met from people giving money to Hope Project, and then Hope Project passing that money along to the director of their home. And we used to go there twice we find ourselves sitting with the kids and having time with them and, and getting to know them and hearing their stories and loving on them. We would go twice a year, but then the door to go to this country slammed shut. This is an evil place. I can't say the name of the country. I can't give you too many specifics because it puts people in danger. I can tell you it's so bad, and this country is so bad to their own people. Just this week in the news, they were described as barbaric, a barbaric nation destroying its own people. And because of the situation there, we haven't been able to go for three and a half years. We've been crying and crying out to God and praying and saying, God, open the door for us to return to this part of the world to serve these kids. And we felt earlier this year it was time. It's time for us to finally go to that place. We know it's dark. We know it's dangerous. We know we may never return if we enter that nation and do what we do there for the gospel. But we decided to go. But we also decided we're going to have a new strategy, though, because we love this country and we love these people and we want to reach them. And maybe there's a way to reach them without going into the country. If we're not able to go in, if it's closed, if it's too dangerous, if the airport's shut down, if the people are too barbaric there, we can find everyone that's fleeing that nation. And wherever they're ending up in border countries and in border cities, we can find them there and serve them. So we decided to go to Asia and go to that country those kids, and we decided if we can get out of that country, we'll go to a border town nearby and try to find people from that country to help. Now listen, we are usually planners. We have like a 10-year calendar. We have everything nailed down. We, on this trip, we did it a little different. It was outside of our comfort zone, which is pretty big. We said we're literally just going to raise as much money as we can in the month of April and then we're going to take it down there, and we're going to ask God to lead us to the people that he wants us to serve in these nations. And so we did, the month of April. We did an entire month-long campaign of selling shirts, selling merch, speaking at churches, raising funds. And we raised the money for go there, fly there, all the way, Southeast Asia. We raised the money for every hotel stay, for our transportation. We even picked out a little city we'd never heard of, never been to, but we knew there might be some refugees there and picked a hotel and booked some nights there saying, God, if we show up in this place, we know you'll use us. That's all we did. And so at the end of April, we had about $8,000 in cash and all of the accommodations booked. And we literally put the cash in envelopes and wrote countries' names on them and said, God, we're going to show up and we're going to see you show out with these envelopes. On May 2nd, this month, we were ready to go. We did not have one meeting lined up in this border town, but we had five nights stay there, and we knew God was going to do something. We left the country. We went to the first country where the kids are. We spent time with them. We served them. We loved them. Our hearts were full after not being able to see them for three and a half years. And while we were there, Megan made contact with someone near the border city that we were going to that had a Christian school. So we're like, all right, that's it. Step one, we're going to show up. We're going to find that Christian school. We tried to set up a plan with them. They literally just said, come out anytime, and we'll talk to you. We didn't really know where the school was. And so we left that country. We went to this little border town we had never heard of up until the moment we flew into it. We get to the airport. You can't even rent a car there. We're like, okay. 
It's going to make things a little difficult. So we took a taxi to the hotel. We walked into this random hotel that Megan had booked online. We said, is there any way we can rent a taxi in this city? And the man said, yes, talk to that lady at the jewelry shop. So we went over to the jewelry shop, and we talked to this lady. We found out she spoke six words of English. Can I rent a car, please? That's all she knew. And we spoke zero words of her language. But somehow, 30 minutes later, we had a car and a driver picking us up the next morning at 7 a.m. to drive us two hours that way to try to find this school. 7 a.m., we get up, we get our cash in our envelopes. We're saying, God, we're going to show up, and we're going to believe that there's kids we can help when we get there. Car comes, picks us up, and we start heading. We got a two-hour drive. We don't really know where we're going. We just know it's about two hours away. Along the way, we start hitting these military checkpoints. Guys with guns looking in the car, where are you going? We don't know, really, kind of. We're going that way. The way we're driving on the road, that's where we're going, right there. Passports, let me see passports. Let me ask you, the driver's like, I don't know, They're just, we're taking them. 30 minutes into the drive, we lose all cell service. Our directions on our phone to be in this kind of area two hours away is gone, and we're just driving. Our driver eventually says, I think we're close. He pulls over to the side of the road and says, show me the map where we're supposed to be. And we're like, we don't have a map where we're supposed to be. We just showed up. I pull out my phone, and as I'm pulling it out of my pocket, it vibrates. And I look, and I literally see 5G flash on my phone, and then LTE. In that moment, my wife pulls out her phone. She pulls up the map. We show the guy, and he says, we've gone 18 kilometers past that point. Bangs a Yui. As soon as we get back on the road, we lose all cell service again. So my wife and I are just watching the t kilometer markers. Okay, did he say 18? The, that one, I think it said 22. So when we get around 14 kilometers, we should be near it. We see at one point a building we think might be up on a hill, but we're not sure. We get a little further, and my wife Megan looks over and says, that road right there. Our driver bangs the Yui. We pull down this random road in the middle of nowhere in Southeast Asia, and a property opens up. We see a church and a school. We're like, this is the place. We made it. So we get out. We find a little group of people, and we're like, we're looking for this person. We just say the first name of the person we're looking for, and they say, I'll take you to them. We walk through the jungle and a home, and there's a person, the director of the school, sitting in a house waiting for us to arrive. We just showed up. So we say, okay, tell us about the school. It's a Christian school. Uh, are, are any of the kids non-Christian? They say 95% of the kids that come to this school cross that border right there from the country that you love that you're trying to serve, Buddhists. Yet they come to this Christian school for the opportunity of education. And every morning we have devotions with them. And every evening we have services. And every school year, Buddhist children give their lives to Jesus. And they're baptized in that river right there. Yeah. Yes. So we're thinking, okay, this might be the place. I don't know. Let's see. Let's pray about it. Is this where we're supposed to be? And then we say, well, tell us about the school. How many kids do you have? And they say, well, we had 250 kids to start last year. Then we got up to 390, and then just last week, we had 600 kids register for the new school year. She said, we don't even have desks for 600 kids. But we had an emergency board meeting and said, we'll start the school year with 600 kids and trust that God will bring the resources. Yeah. In this moment that we just showed up in, we pulled an envelope, go buy desks for the kids. Buy desks. It's not enough. We don't carry that kind of cash, bro, for real, all right? But 
buy some desks. We'll go back and we'll try to raise some more money for school desks. And we left that meeting saying, this is it. We're doing it. We just showed up with an envelope of money and God showed us who it was for. Well, we still had three nights in this place. God, we still have envelopes of cash. Who are they for? We're just showing up here. Luckily, before we had left the first country and gone to this border town, someone randomly asked us, what city will you be staying in in this other country? We told them the city. They said, my nephew lives there. Would you like to contact him? We're like, sure. Sounds kind of sketch, but we'll do it. And so over the next few days, my wife had been in this WhatsApp conversation with somebody's nephew, maybe, okay? And we said, hey, we'd love to meet you. Can we have coffee, dinner? We said, why don't you come to our hotel? And we'll have dinner at our hotel, right? That's safe. And they say, no, no, you're a guest in my country. I'll pick you up and bring you to my house. I was like, dumb ways to die, right? This is it. Here we go. But, like I said, we've been doing this for 20 years. And we said, God, if we just show up, we know you'll do something, right? So we say, fine, pick us up. But what we did decide, because we are full of so much faith, is we'll leave the envelopes of money at the We won't bring them with us. So if they try to rob us, they'll get nothing, okay? Next day, Sunday, 5 o'clock, sitting in the lobby of the hotel, waiting for a car to pick us up with a murderer in it, right? Car pulls in. This little guy gets out, and I'm like, Phew. I'm like, how are you, bud? Put my hand on his shoulder, squeeze it real hard one time just to let him know. I'm saying it doesn't seem too dangerous we get in the car and we go to their house and it's just literally a real life refugee that has just fled the nation that what we loved but we serve kids that we're trying to find more people from and we sit down in his house on this little thing they call the couch it wasn't he said that's a refugee couch I'm like okay they bring out a little tiny table and put cups of coffee on it and they're like that's a refugee table sorry that's all we have they start to tell us how many people live in the home. They start to tell us why they had to flee the country, how the government was after their family specifically and why. The journey they made through the night, the instructions they gave their 10-year-old boy on what to do and what to say if they got caught. And they arrived in this city, and they were surrounded by other refugees in the same situation. So then they take us into the next room, and they've prepared like a feast for us. It's this food, it's meat, it's rice, it's all of their, their traditional food, and they want to serve us so well. And so they're putting food on our plate, and we're trying to eat it. And, and we're just thinking, okay, man, if we had that envelope of cash, dang it, right? So we start to ask them. We say, so there's a lot of refugees in this area. Is there a lot of need? And they're like, well, yeah. The two ladies that came by while you were having coffee, they were looking for money to pay their rent tomorrow. I'm like, dang. My wife, in her spirit, hears the Lord say, pay the debt. So we kind of tuck that away and we're waiting. We say, what about your church? Is your church like meeting needs of refugees around the area? And they said, just yesterday, we had a prayer meeting at the church. And we said, God, there's so much need in our church. If you would provide the resources, we will be your hands and feet. And we will show up and meet the needs. But God, the resources have to come from you. And this was the moment we said, well, we have brought an envelope of cash. It's at our hotel. Because we thought you were murderers, Okay. You're obviously not murderers, so can we go maybe after dinner and get the cash and help some people? They said, we can eat later. Get in the car. <laughs> True story. I was like, can I get one more slice of mango before we head out? We go back to the hotel, miraculous, just to get the money changed at 
7 p.m. on a Sunday night was difficult. But then we started going, and the next couple hours can only be described as miraculous. We found ourselves sitting in homes with refugees, hearing why they didn't have money to pay the rent because of the medical needs of their special needs daughter, where all their money that month went to the hospital on behalf of this little girl. And the rent was due tomorrow. And the only thing they could do was pray. And I'm sitting there with an envelope knowing the answer to your prayer is right here. And we pull it out and we give it to them and we bless them. And as we go getting ready to pray over this evening, a mom looks at us and says, I now know that the God I pray to is powerful. Yeah. And now no. She lives in a part of the world where you can pray to literally thousands of gods. And she found out that night the one I picked is actually the one with power. And so we said, can you take us now to your pastor? So we want, we want to serve people. We want to help these refugees. But we don't want to do it as two white Americans that just showed up. We want God to get the glory. And we want the local church to get the credit. So the rest of the money in this envelope, we want to give it to your pastor so that he can meet the needs of his people. And they say, let's go right now to his house, which is also the church. We drive down to the church. We get this man at 830 on a Sunday night, sitting there rubbing his eyes, looking at us like, what is happening right now? We tell him what we've been doing. We tell them, we love the people of this country. We can't always go there, but we want to serve them. We know many of them are fleeing into this country, and we want to serve them here if we can. Is it possible? Then he says, let me tell you my dream. My dream is to buy a farm so that the people you're trying to reach that are fleeing that country can come and live on the farm and they can work the farm. And they won't be lazy, but they will use their hands and they will have dignity and God will meet their needs through the mission, through the mission of the church. And we say, well, we can't buy a farm tonight, but we can give you funds to meet their needs right now. Pastor says, this is amazing because there's actually 23 people living at the church right now. 23 people, widows, orphans, refugees living at the church. He says, do you want to meet them? We're like, sure. We walk up on the stage of the church, just like this stage, except a lot smaller and no smoke and lights and stuff. But we get up there, and the pastor and his wife literally roll back the back wall of the stage, and there are 23 widows and orphans living there, waiting to see how God's going to meet their needs. Now, at this moment is a moment my wife and I just look at each other and we say, how did we get here? How did we find ourselves in this weird town in Southeast Asia in front of a bunch of people that we've been praying and crying out to God that we could reach for the last three and a half years? And the answer is simple. We just showed up. We just showed up. We just said, God will go if you'll do your thing once I get there. And I want to encourage you guys today to just show up. Now, I'm not saying you got to go on the next trip to Southeast Asia, right? But there are so many ways to just show up right in the seat you're in right now. There's so many ways to show up in your neighborhood and in this city. And so we're going to talk about showing up. And I'm actually going to take you guys into the Bible, the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, is going to give us some insight on showing up for one another to build God's kingdom. Now listen, it's not going to give us 10 things to do to show up. That part is between you and God. You've got to figure that out. This is just going to give us the mindset of where to be and how to be when we show up, okay? So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 12. It says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, 
we will share in all that belongs to Christ. This passage is tiny. It's just three verses, but there's so much here that basically says, hey, brothers and sisters, if you'll show up for each other every day while it's still today, then none of us will fall away. And we'll all get to experience all that belongs to Christ. So if we're going to show up every day, the first thing I want to tell you guys today is this. If we're going to show up for each other every day, then we cannot have our mind and our thoughts and our attitudes and our whole life wrapped up in yesterday. Okay? For a lot of people in the world today, I know that yesterday was hard. Yesterday was tough. There are some things that happened to you. There are some things that happened in your family. There are some things in your history that make it difficult to step into today. Can I tell you, if you can step out of that and show up today and say, God, heal me, make me whole, use me here now today, your life can be dramatically different if you can step in today while it is still today. And I don't struggle a lot with the past. I struggle more with, like, being stuck in the future. But someone that would have known about living in the past would have been the writer of Hebrews, okay? The writer of Hebrews is actually writing to the church of Hebrews that is made up mostly— of, he, of Jewish Christians, okay? People that were Jews, Jesus came, died, rose again, and they said, wow, he was that dude. And they convert to the way. They are now Jewish Christians, Jewish in their traditions, but now Christian in their worship. And he's writing to them, and as he's writing to them, they're actually in a state where they're trying to bring Judaism back into Christianity. They're trying to take their old way of living and bring it to the table in the new way of living. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, you can't live in the past and the present. You can't worship in the present while still trying to pull the past to church with you every Sunday. If you're going to show up now, it has to be in this moment without the past. Now, to really understand this, we've got to go back actually to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6 and 7. I know you guys have been talking about Acts a lot, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 6 and 7, we have a time when the church is like blowing up. And it's getting too big for the apostles to run. And there's some tension between the Greeks and the Hebrews about which widows are being taken care of better. And so the apostles say, we're going to appoint seven people whose job it is to show up for the widows and orphans. That'll just be it. They will run the ministry of showing up for widows. And one of them is Stephen, okay? You guys know Stephen, I'm sure. You've been in Acts for a while. And Stephen is like top dog out of these seven. The Bible mentions that he is full of the Holy Spirit. He's a man of great faith. And he starts showing up for the widows big time. He shows up so much, he actually starts praying, and God starts doing miracles through Stephen. And as he's doing this, and he's so bold, and he's so righteous, and he's so strong in his faith that the Jews in the area hate him because of it. And they actually plot a find a way to get rid of Stephen. They put Stephen on trial, and, and they... they Stephen's response is so strong in the gospel and so strong in his faith that by the end of the trial, they actually kill Stephen. Now, right before this trial, the Bible says this. It says, but, oh, sorry. Right before the Bible says that there's a group of Jewish leaders who convert to the faith right before the trial. Right before the trial, a bunch of priests say, I'm out. They look at Stephen and how he's serving. They look at how the people are treating Stephen because of how he's showing up, and they say, we're out. Do you know what Stephen was accused of in his trial? He's accused of talking bad about Moses and talking bad about the temple. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to these Jews, and this is what he says right before this part. He said, Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves far more praise than the house itself. 
He's saying, I know who you are. I know your past. I know what you've come out of. And I'm here to tell you that what God has for you today is better. And if you'll step into this moment and show up now, it's greater than anything you've experienced in your past. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Actually, 15 times in the book of Hebrews, he uses Greek superior, greater 15 times. He wants us to know if we'll step out of the past and into this moment, it'll be great for us. Now, not only do we need to step out of the past, but it says we're going to serve each other every day while it's still today. Because tomorrow it will no longer be today. But many of us, myself included, we live in the future. Our mind is in the future. I am always planning and thinking and looking ahead. And I've had to learn the hard way many times how to step out of the future and into the moment so that God can use me. I learned this years ago. We started taking this like prominent Christian school on missions trips to Nicaragua. And we would build houses in Nicaragua. And the first time the school signed up for the trip, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? We just said we'll take 50 high schoolers to Nicaragua to build houses. And the trip was short. We were going to build for two days and then come home. In my mind, immediately, I said, the goal of this trip is to get through the second day of building. If we can just get through the second day of building and get these kids home to their parents, I can sleep at night. And for months, that's all I would think about. I actually had meetings with leaders and said, okay, guys, we're taking these kids to Nicaragua. The goal is to get through the second day of building. And they're like, what? That's the goal of this trip? The moment we got to Nicaragua with the kids, I realized, wow, there are going to be so many little moments between now and the second day of building that if I don't get my eyes off of that, I'm going to miss these moments with God. I've had to learn this from my son. My son's 10 years old. When he was six, we went to Southeast Asia for the first time. He graduated kindergarten one day and got on a plane to fly to Southeast Asia the next. 44 hours later, we got to Southeast Asia. And I said, son, can you believe it? We're finally here. And he said, that didn't feel like long at all, dad. I'm like, what? Bro, you have a mustache. You grew a mustache on this trip from kindergarten till now, okay? It was a long trip, but my mind was stuck on when we get there, what it will look like, what we'll do when we finally make it that I missed every opportunity in every room and every space that my six-year-old son was just happy to be in. And if we live too much in the future, we will miss out on today and showing up today. So we don't want to be in the past. We don't want to be in the future. We want to show up every day while it's still today. And what is the, the promise here? That if we do that, if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Guys, listen. If you want to build God's kingdom and you want to live these moments like the ones I've talked about, just start showing up. Just start showing up. Probably if you'll live in the moment and show up in the moment, it's the most liberating, freeing thing you'll ever experience. I learned this actually in Ethiopia. In 2021, we went there for the first time. And we had the most in-the-moment moment of my life. We got there and found out that Than and Megan are difficult names for Ethiopians. They can't say it. They're like, Than, what the heck is that? The Megan, they can't get their mouths to say Megan. So they said, we're going to give you new names today in Ethiopia. And I thought, praise God, a new name. It's almost biblical, right? So I step up, and they're going to do me first. And we got this group of kids, and all their parents are behind them and said, we're going to give them new names today. I said, give me a good one, okay, a good strong name, please. And a lady in the back raises her hand and goes, um, Willie? I'm like, Willie? That's not a good strong name. I'm sorry. If your name's Willie here today, it's a good name for you. 
I didn't go all the way to Ethiopia to be named Willie for the rest of my life, okay? So I said, eh, wrong, try again, right? And then they gave me the name Dawit. I'm like, that's a name, bro. Dawit, it means David. I'm like, yes, David, that's me. And then it's my wife's name to get a new name in Ethiopia. And they look at her, and they're thinking, and then they say, Rael. And I said, yeah, say it again. Rael. It's very breathy. It means Rachel. I'm like, that's a beautiful name, Rael and Dawit, and this is amazing. And the very next moment, this is the moment of my life, the defining moment. They start playing music, and the kids get up and start dancing. And I think, man, I'm in Africa, and kids are dancing, and there's music playing. I'm going to dance too. So I jump up, and I start dancing. <laughs> right? And some of you are thinking, he can't dance. And you're right, I can't. But this day, it was different. I pulled out moves like the water pump. I do something called the funky chicken, all right? And as I dance, the crowd starts cheering, and they're going nuts. And I'm so in the moment. I just showed up here for this purpose in life. I don't even look at the crowd. It's just me and Jesus. I don't even look at the crowd. I'm just dancing. I'm in it. I'm going around. And the more I dance, the louder they get. I'm thinking, God, you're using me like never before. Then they start chanting. And I'm like, oh, this is over the top, but I like it, all right? And I'm just dancing, and I'm focused, and I'm looking at the ground, and they're chanting. And then I hear what they're chanting. They're actually chanting, Rael, Rael, Rael. I'm like, Rael? I look up. No one's even looking at me. The whole crowd is now shifted over here because my wife is in an epic dance battle with this other woman in the community. I'm serious. They're shaking their shoulders at each other. They spin around. They're shaking other body parts. We've been married for almost 20 years. I saw her body move that day. I never even imagined it could move. We just danced in the moment. Now, I'm serious, guys. There have been more times in Ethiopia since then that they've played music, and I've been like, and it was terrible. Nobody laughed. Nobody clapped. It was just a moment. It was just one of those moments that you have to step into. You can't say, man, last time I danced, it was terrible, Right? You can't say, oh, maybe next time. Next time there's an opportunity to dance, that's when I'll dance. you got to dance in the moment. you got to be there in the moment, in the second that it's taking place. And I want to tell you, if you will show up for each other and be in the moment and live in the moment, God will use you to do incredible things. And we will all share in all that belongs to Christ. I actually have a story of one boy specifically I want to tell you guys today. And we're going to show you a picture of him, actually. His name is Isaac. And Esau is just a story of what happens when God's people show up over and over again. So I've got a little boy here working, I think. It's a picture of him. That's me. I could dance. It's a little boy working. The little one. He's working. The other one. The first one. The very first picture of the little boy. There he is. That's Esau. Esau is seven years old in this picture. And we actually built his house this day in Nicaragua. And he worked the whole day. You can see. He was dirty. And we just fell in love with Esau because he was amazing. We said, Esau, man, we tried to get to know his story. We said, you know, tell us some things about yourself. And Esau really only told us two things that day. He said, number one, I will never go to school. And number two, I will never go to church. And we're like, okay, Esau, that's cool. But then, like, you better learn a trade and you better get ready because life is going to be difficult for you. And we love you so much, and you're such a good worker. And if you're never going to go to school and you're never going to go to church, will you at least come back and work with us again tomorrow? And Isaac says, okay, I'll work with you tomorrow. 
And so seven years old, the next day, Esau shows up at the main worker's house at 5 a.m. with a bucket saying, I want to work. So we're like, okay, cool. And so Esau comes to work with us. The next picture you'll see, he's not the best worker, okay? Let's be honest. He's seven. Uh, one day he stormed off the job site because someone else used his shovel, right? One day we had uh, like queso fresca and some mangoes, and he really just ate all day, but we paid him anyway. But Esau kept showing up, so we kept showing up for him, and we just would talk to him every once in a while, and he would remind us, I'm never going to school, and I'm never going to church ever. I said, that's fine, Esau. Just come to work tomorrow and actually work a little bit, please. And so one day we thought, you know what, let's buy Esau his own tape measure. And so I got a picture of Esau this day. He got his own tape measure, and he's getting a little older. You can see he's got teeth now, and this is over time. This is like he's eight now, and he's got his own tape measure. And the next picture is actually what he did with the tape measure. He stuck it on his hip. And what I love about this picture is this. I'm going to ask my wife because she'll know the answer immediately. Where is this picture taken? Right? Where specifically? In the street right in front of, I thought she would know. Rael, come on. In the church, right in front of the church. This picture is taken right in front of the church that Isak will never go to. Okay? There he is. He's so close, right? And over time, Esau gets a little closer. One day I go to the church and Esau's there and he's leaning up against the door watching the other kids worship. I'm like, this is awful close to one of the two places in the world you're never going to go, right? January of this year, we show up in Nicaragua and every year we send 300 kids to school there. And they come to church to get their school uniform. And we're doing our ceremony and we're picking up backpacks and we're calling kids' names. And we pick up a backpack and it says Esau on it. I say, well, this has got to be a different one. And we call Isak. And Isak gets up and comes forward and gets his school uniform at the church. And this is a picture of Isak that day. Now, there are different ways to tell time, right? You can tell by Isak's teeth. This is a little further down the road. He just kept showing up, and we just kept showing up. This May, we go to the church. Or, sorry, in April. In April, we go to the church. And we're going to do a baptism. And all the people from all the communities near the church that want to be baptized can come that day and be baptized. And we get there and we start looking through the crowd. And they have all the people being baptized are wearing white shirts. And we look and see a little boy named Isak wearing a white shirt. And we say, no, certainly not. But that day, the next picture will show you. Isak. Time stamped with his perfect front teeth now. Two years of just showing up and just loving someone and just being in the room with them and just reminding them of their story. What's that? You're never going to church and you're never going to school. That's fine. I still love you. I'll still show up. If you'll show up for work and do anything, we'll pay you at the end of the day. We just showed up for Isak and he just showed up. And this is what happens. One day, we will get to share in all that belongs to Christ with Isak. Yeah? And so I want to encourage you guys to do that step. Keep showing up and see what God does in your life and in your community and in this church and around the world through LifePoint. Amen? Let's pray real quick. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We just thank you for your word. We thank you that man, if we'll just read it and try to apply it and just show up and say, here I am, Lord. You'll do the rest. That you'll do the big thing. That you'll meet the needs. That you'll do the miracle. That you'll change lives. That you will build your kingdom. And God, we get to be a part of it. So I just pray right now for my brothers and sisters here that maybe they are stuck a little in the past. 
there's something that happened to them that will not release them to live in the here and now today. God, I pray that right now you will break that chain and you will break that off of their life. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are maybe focused too much on tomorrow to live today. Their kids are sitting around saying, Dad, look at me, look at me, and they're looking into the future trying to figure things out that really should just be in your hands, God. Set them free today to live in this moment, to show up here and now, and to be a part of building your kingdom in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, Lifeway, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, let's stand together on our feet.